Tim, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And uh, when I was, uh, you know, doing the the Google's researches on the webs, <laughs> as they call it, um, the one thing that you have, have said multiple times is folks, especially entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, make marketing super complex. And before anything else, like that seems like an awesome place to start. Why do you feel that everyone makes marketing so complex? Uh, well, I think it's, and by the way, thanks for having me, Sharon. I'm super excited to be here. I, I think the marketing has changed. You know, when I first got in business, a website was, was pretty much good. It was an yeah. online informational brochure and you were in good shape. Now there's so many different marketing channels. There's so many different tactics. It, it there's information overload. Yeah. And when we're battling information overload, it's overwhelming. We're not sure what to do. And it's so easy to overcomplicate things, you know, when you're bombarded with all these things, but when you can boil things down and make them simple, which is not easy to do, right. um, but when you can make them simple, it's so much easier to, to execute and to get consistent, repeatable results. Yeah. So it's just, you know, we got all these channels we're battling it's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Do you think the, um, do you think as the channels, the more channels have come on to kind of the um, marketplace where we have access to stuff, do you think that's what's caused it? Or is it a, cause we've been, I, I was in a, uh, I'm in Genius Network, it was a cool mastermind group that we've been talking about. And you know, kind of in the, call, call it 10 years ago, right? Just whatever, 10 years ago seems like so yes. far ago. But we had a print radio TV, kind of conceptually speaking, right. kind of pre-internet, right? And that didn't seem like a lot of channels, but I think that the pay to play on all of those forced you to stop and say, Hey, I need to do performance based stuff. But now do you believe that, you know, with the, with more things that are appearing free, is that causing the overwhelm or, or what is really like the underlying cause of this overwhelm? I think, I think it's the number of channels, but I also think, it's all the different things you can do within those channels. Uh, yeah. You know, like when you think about social media, I, I mean, I don't know how many social media you know, <laughs> marketing sites there are. I mean, there's a ton of them, right? But even if you were to take the main ones, you know, I got Facebook and I've got Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest. And then you dig into each one of those. It's like, okay, well, how do I interact on each one of these? They yeah. each have their own nuances. And all of those things make it more and more complex yeah. um, and challenging for business owners to know, gosh, what do I do? Right. Okay, cool. I have a Facebook page for my business. I've been posting, but it's not working. It's not doing anything. Um, you know, people just end up, they're throwing stuff against the wall. They're throwing spaghetti up against the wall, hoping that it sticks. It doesn't. And then they're like, well, what do I do? Yeah. I tried social media. That doesn't work. Well, I did Google ads that didn't work for me. So what am I supposed to do? And, you know, and so it's, I think it's a combination of everything that is just kind of coming together that makes it so overwhelming and, and appear to be complex. Yeah. And so, so Tim, if, if you had, um, if you had a client come to your agency and say, Hey, I'm the most I'm the most coachable client. I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> Uh, I'll pay you your fee. Just tell me what to do. I'm not expecting short-term results. I'm happy to be in this game for 12, 18, 24, 36 months. Just yep. coach me 
and just you you say you coach I do kind of thing. If you if there, if that if you got a client like that one, amazing, right? Like introduce me. Yeah, to that yeah that's a dream. Because I want to share that line with you, right? <laughs> uh, uh, the sec- but but more importantly, if someone came to you and was of that mindset, and I know it varies from business to business. So t- say they're a, a professional services, you know, maybe they're a uh, insurance broker, real estate agent. Uh, sure. They're, they're selling professional services of what HR. Yep. How would you kind of walk them through this this maze of content, organic stuff, paid stuff? Like, where would that first step be for them? Start. So, I think that success with marketing all starts with the fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? Michael Jordan said, "Get the fundamentals down, and the level of everything you do will rise." With marketing, so many people skip the fundamentals, either because they don't know what they are or they're not cool, they're not sexy. You know, it's <laughs> not, you got to be on TikTok or have a YouTube channel. It, it's not cool. But the fundamentals in any discipline are the same. They were the same 25 years ago as they are today, and they're going to be the same 25 years from now. So the first place we always start is those fundamentals. And I like to call it the marketing strategy trilogy. So one, you have to know who your target market is. Who are you trying to serve? How are you going to serve those people? Once you understand who your ideal clients are, then it becomes so much easier to figure out what you need to say to them and where they are so that you can get in front of them. Yeah. The second part is you got to have great messaging. Your messaging has to be clear. It has to be engaging, right? It has to be able to make you memorable. It has to resonate with your target market. If you don't have good messaging, you're putting stuff out there. It's none of it's going to work, right. you know? And then the third part of that is you have to have some type of plan, right? You have to have a plan. The plan you start mm-hmm. with isn't the plan that you're going to end with. You know, our businesses are evolving. Our marketing needs to evolve with it as well. But we have to start with some type of plan because if you don't have a plan, it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah. But if you've got a plan, you know exactly what you need to do. So that when the newest shiny tactic comes across your email, you're like, nope, it's not in my plan. Right. I'll put it on my list. I can look at that later, but it's not on my plan right now. So that's where I would recommend everybody start. Because if you skip the fundamentals, I compare it to building a house without a foundation. Yeah. It, that's not going to last long. I mean, sure, you know, especially I mean, in third world countries, they build houses without foundations. They stay up, but they're not going to hold up. They're not going to last consistently. That's why you got to start with the marketing fundamentals. It puts the foundation in place. Then you can start to build the rest of your marketing house and it's going to work so, so much better. So that's where I'd start first, Sharon. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, let's maybe, uh, let's maybe, if if there are some tips or tools, but more like the psychology first is a lot of times, I think the average um, business owner, entrepreneur, I think they know kind of what their, who their target market is. They kind of know the avatar, but yeah. they've never actually stopped to memorialize it in some way. Right. And, and so how does, so one, why do you think that is? And two, how can, like, what would that message for you to that person be who's listening that says, hey, hey, you, Jenny, I know you know your target market. I know you understand that person probably better than anybody else. I know you viscerally can feel what they're feeling. Yeah. But, how do we get Jenny right now to say, okay, Jenny, like it's going to help you to memorialize this in some way. Yeah. I, one, I think it's, it's important to, to memorialize it, right. Or put it down on paper 
because once it's down on paper, I think it's so much easier for people to remember and pull it from. Um, and always keep in, at the top of mind when you're making decisions about how you're gonna market. You know, well, we wanna do this. Okay, well, let's go back to our ideal client profiles or our buyer personas, whatever you wanna call them. Okay. Is this gonna resonate with them? Is this, does this make sense for those people? Um, I think the easiest place for most businesses to start, because I think you're right, Sharon, most businesses have an idea of who their ideal clients are in general. Right. Um, but I don't think they've taken that deep dive to really confirm and make sure that what they think is true is actually true and valid. Right. Right. So I like to tell people just to start, ask yourself three questions about your existing customer base. One, who do you enjoy working with? Okay, we all started businesses because we want freedom, you know, we want to change the world. But man, it's it's a long road if you're working with people you don't like to work with. So, you know, pave your own path. Who do you like to work with? Two is who are you, who are your most profitable clients? Mm -hmm. Right? We obviously we have to do business with those clients that are extremely profitable. So that's a great place to look as well. And then the third question is who do you do your best work for? Right? Okay. If we do more work with clients that we do our best work for, and they're profitable, right? We're gonna make more money. We're gonna get more referrals because we're doing great work for the existing clients we have. So start by asking yourself those three questions and then look at the group of clients that's in that, that group, okay? And then from there, you can start to dig a little bit deeper and go, okay, we've got this group of clients that we love working with, they're profitable and we do great work. Now let's start to look at that group and look at and create some subgroups. Those subgroups are going to be your ideal clients. So look at the demographics, you know. And you can. I'm a math major. I mean, I could go into the weeds on this I kind of it. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I keep it simple. You know, some basic demographics. What are they in a specific industry? You know, is it certain age brackets? You know, do they make a certain amount of money? Do they live in specific places? Um, and then I like to get into the psychographics because the psychographics, how they're feeling, you know, what problems they have, where they, where they want to go. Those are the things that actually make people buy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the fact that I, you know, I'm 45 years old and I live in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Right. Um, but it's that specific problem that I have that I want to solve that's going to help me get to where I want to be. When somebody puts that carrot in front of me, that's what gets me to take action. Yeah. So if you can start to look at the demographics, the psychographics of those people that are in that first group, you're going to have one to three groups, subgroups that are going to pop up. To me, those are your ideal client types. Yeah. 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 I, you know, you know what you, it's um, what you just said is so resonated with me because when in one of our last businesses, we ran a. Um, residential real estate brokerage business across Southern yep. California. And when I originally came on board, we had like 33 agents and the goal was to scale the business. And I was like, how do you find an ideal avatar of a salesperson that you want? And so I took the first six weeks and I literally interviewed every single of every one of the 33 agents just to get to know them. Right. And I said, wow, this one person, and we'll kind of not, not name him right now. I was like, if we lost him, 
it would change the cultural DNA of this this company. And like you said, not only was it did it fit one of those categories, it fit all three. They were, you know, they, they were they were the right fit. They were profitable, and we did our best work for him. Yeah. And I was like, wow, if we can get more people like this, our entire world would change. And so that was our only avatar model that we use. So I think what you're you know, just by, you don't have to go out and create a avatar of what you ideally like. Hopefully you can just look around and say, wow, I like working with Tim. How can I get more people like Tim? That's right. Right. Here's the other important thing to pull out of what you just said too, Sharon, is you interviewed the client. We always recommend people do that as well. Interview your clients, get eight to 10 clients on the phone and start asking them questions. You know, what, what were you, what problem did you have when you, started looking for companies like ours. Why did you choose us? You know, what do you love about working with us? You know, what problems do we solve for you? What benefits have you seen in working with us? You, your customers can oftentimes articulate the message you need to communicate better than you can yourself. Yeah. I mean, even me, I can't, I suck at it for our company because I'm, I'm, I can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah, yeah. Your customers will tell you exactly what you need to know. And so that's another important part of that too, is when you do start asking yourself those three questions, interview clients, get the information from them. And man, from there, creating the message that you need to communicate becomes so much easier. Yeah, and, and Tim, can you talk to this? Um, I'll give you one thought and which you can comment on, but I have a bigger question. The thought is, at some point, like even I, you know, I'm a, I'm a computer science and math major. I, I can't, I can't, I can barely write. And, you know, so <laughs> to me, a lot of it, like writing copy was super hard for me. So I had to like learn, I got a copywriting coach and all because we need to, we need words. Yes. And my, the, I remember my first copywriting coaching session and he was amazing. You know, here's what he told me. He's like, Sean, this is not hard at all. Like you should not write any copy. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you should just assemble copy. And I said, huh? What is assemble copy? He goes, you have testimonials? Yes. Literally, you take their words and you stitch it together. Yeah. He goes, why are you trying to come up with anything? They've already told you what they like and they've already told you the, in, their, in their words. That's what everyone else is thinking. Your job is not to write copy. Your job is just to assemble copy. And you'll already, that's the 80-20 for you. And like, Tim, that was a huge kind of, yes. uh, you know, awakening for me, which is, so now when I see something, a client write something into us or they say something to someone else or they tell me that they like a certain book and i'm like wait i don't need to write anything i'm like hey i just talked to a client recently the client said he liked good to great i thought you would like it too here's my notes from this like stuff like that is what gets the most amount of results and so the one lesson i'd give everyone listening is and you you kicked it up for me which was you don't have to write anything you just have to assemble stuff that people already give you yep yeah that's uh, all you're that's all you're doing yeah. Your customers will articulate it for you. And honestly, even if you're if you're new in business and you don't have a lot of existing clients, you can still you can look at your competitors. What are what are the uh, reviews for your competitors saying? Those people are gonna tell you what is important to them. So good. You know, it's it's not when I go to my mechanic, it's not because, you know, they're the greatest mechanic in the world. It's <laughs> I know that they do good work and the fact that they're not going to take advantage of me. Yeah. They're not going to go sit there and look at my car and go, well, you need to have this, this and that done. Yeah. And I really don't, you know, I mean, or whatever it may be, but those kinds of things will come to the surface and it's like, gosh, yeah, that is, 
that's what's really important to, to, to our clients. Yeah. Well, we need to start saying it. Yeah. Uh, let, let me ask you about uh, this. I know a lot of people have told me, and I, I actually personally had it too, so I'm getting some personal coaching here. How, how do, <laughs> on the interviewing clients part, right? A lot of folks are like, eh, how do I do that without it kind of, how do I frame it? How do I do it? Do I do it one-on-one? -on -one? Do I just have like six or seven questions do I have? Like, how do I invite someone into this interviewing conversation uh, without it without it feeling awkward? Yeah, I, well, one, we typically do it via Zoom and it's a, you know, it's a 15 minute conversation. Yeah. Um, here's what I will tell you. Some, sometimes it's a lot easier if a third party does it. Right. Uh -huh. So when we do it for clients, their clients tend to be a lot more forthcoming because they're like, well, OK, I'm not talking to Sharon directly. I can just tell Tim what it's like and not worry about any there being any repercussions there. Right. Um, but even if you do it yourself, I think it's just one of those things where you reach out to clients and you just say, hey, we are working on updating some of our messaging as one of our valued clients we really value your opinion. Is it important to us? Can you, can you spend 15 minutes just giving us some feedback? We would really, really appreciate it. So good. That's it, you know? And then you just get on the phone. I like to have a set list of questions because I want to make sure that I'm not going to miss something. Um, and then you just run through the questions, you know? And if you have to dig a little bit deeper on certain questions, then you can. Um, but having that set outline will keep you on track. And again, it's, you know, 15 minute call done. Thank you so much. It's been really, really helpful. You've opened my eyes. I didn't realize X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. You're really going to help us moving forward. You know, and if you want to do something to say thanks to the client, you can absolutely do that, but don't overcomplicate this. You know, it's just, yeah. it's like having a conversation with anybody. Yeah, I, I, um, what do you think about, and I, I would love if folks that are, the person that's listening right now says, you know what, it would be amazing, even if they did nothing else, today, if they just included this, the, the interviewing of clients, if you will, as natural as possible in all their interactions. So even if you were, yes. so if you were my client, I was catching up with you and uh, I, while we we're chatting, I'm like, hey, Tim, before we get to business, I have, you know, a team and I are working on a project and can I run like three things by you really quick? And if you can just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, that's all it is. It'll take like two minutes. And then I just fire the three questions at you and the same three questions. And regardless of who I talk to, I keep firing the same three questions and I'm looking for some kind of patterns. So I would always, I always suggest folks that, hey, just have one or two questions. And before you get into it, you can like, hey, can I run something by you? Can I run something by you? Have, you can literally use every interaction as an opportunity Absolutely. to get some right? So you could look at, okay, I'm going to ask these three questions in my sales process. I'm going to ask these three questions when I'm onboarding. Uh, I'm going to ask these yeah. three questions in customer service, right? And so you could take some of those questions that are on the sheet that we typically use and put those in the different phases of the customer yeah. journey and just ask them over and over again. And you've got a constant stream of information that's going to help every department within your company. Yeah. Uh, while we're on this topic of interviewing, I know you've helped a lot of clients just in the, you know, what social proof and reviews and things like that. Any suggestions around how that you've seen work on how you can actually kind of ask for the review or the testimonial without it 
you know, without it kind of being like, hey, if you don't mind, would you please help me out? I, wh what have you found that is still respectful, but it also works? Yes, I, I, what I recommend people do is put a system in place within their business to consistently ask for reviews where it makes the most sense. Huh. Right. Like Sharon, you come from the real estate industry. I mean, in real estate, I remember because I was in real estate for a while and I remember people always asking, you know, hey, um, you need to ask for a review and for referrals when you sign a new client. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, Jesus, they haven't even worked with me yet. I mean, how do they even know that they want to refer me to somebody else? This is too early. So know when the right time in your process is. But once you know when that right time is. One, you need to ask. I, the way I typically recommend people ask is just, hey, it's been, a, you know, it's been a pleasure working with you. We would really appreciate your feedback. It helps us and it helps potential clients. Could you do us a favor and write us a review here? Or, hey, if we fell short and you'd prefer just to leave feedback for us, click here. Yeah. Right? That's it. So we're giving them two different avenues. We need to make it easy. Don't say leave me a review on Google and leave them to search it. Yeah. Give them the exact link so that when they click it, it comes up. All they have to do is fill it out. Yeah. Right. But so you have to request consistently and you have to make it easy for them to leave a review. Okay. The other thing that I always tell people to do is you need to respond to your reviews. Yeah. So good. All the time. If you respond to your reviews, positive and negative, you're differentiating yourself from your competitors. You're showing that you're proactive, that you care. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, Tim, what, what if I get a bunch of bad reviews? Well, one, if you get too many bad reviews, you got a process or a, a, you know, a system or a product service problem that you need to fix. Yeah. And I would want to know about that. But two, your bad reviews lend credibility to your other reviews. Yeah. Okay. Because nobody expects you to be perfect. You're not going to have a hundred five-star reviews. All people want to know is that, you know what, if you fell short, are you going to jump on it and take care of it? Because we've all been in that position where you're like, oh my God, these people dropped the ball. You reach out and it's crickets. Yeah. If you jump on and respond to all your reviews and you take those negative reviews and go, you know what, I'm so sorry we fell short. Please reach out to us. Give them an email. Give them a phone number. Someplace to take it offline. Yeah. And we will do everything we can to address your problem. That's it. Yeah. That's all people ever care about. Yeah. And especially when they, when someone sees that on a Yelp or something like that, they're like, yeah. oh, cool. He was super respectful. Boom. And like it, it totally like negates, not even negates the bad review. It says that that was an outlier. Yes. And you, you kind of want it. I, uh, it's funny you talked about the negative reviews. Uh, the one-offs, I think you, you, you nailed it, right? On the one-offs, when you, when you only handle the one-offs and responses, it looks weird. Yes. As a negative one, but if you if you're responding to all the positive ones, that's that's like responding to all your um that all your Instagram comments. It's crazy. Like people will put out content, and yeah. nine people respond or eighteen people respond, and they're like, oh, 18 people. I'm like, eighteen people stopped their lives to like say something, even if it was just yes. an emoji. You spent forty five minutes writing a post. The least you could do is like thank him for that response. Like that's so wild to me. But from a negative review perspective, I I. Uh, there's one thing I we recently consulted with the company uh, on their on their processes, and I told them I said, "What what you're paying me is a fraction of the value that you're getting from the pattern 
of these negative reviews. The pattern of these negative reviews are is free consulting. Literally, yes, it is. 19 people told you that this front desk person was rude to them. Like, it's free consulting. Someone just told <laughs> you, like, it is not even hard anymore, right? And so no. the one-offs I understand, but like when you see a pattern, you should be we should, like we should all be so grateful that someone like identified something for us. Absolutely, right? Because how many how many times as a business owner are we like, hey, if we fall short, please let us know. We need to know about that. But most people don't say anything. They just it's those people that are below the surface that you don't hear anything from who are pissed off. Those are man, that that's bad. You yeah. know, you want to see it, and so when you do see it, and you see that pattern, like you said, you gotta you gotta jump on it and. And fix it. I'll tell you, um, for folks that are listening who are uh, coaches, content creators, etc. Tim, I'll give you an idea. We, uh, um, I was recently working with a mega influencer, you know, ten plus million kind of reach on followers, yeah. and one of her programs, she has a she has like a group coaching program, and one of her programs, she was seeing a lot of churn, and um, and so she's like, well, I don't understand this churn. I was like, well, I have no idea. I have to go through this process. Because I have no idea like where it's breaking or what. I was like, don't even like, I got you. So I was like, just let me go through the process. Let me see your ad. Let me click on it. So literally I went through the process because I don't know the pieces of the puzzle. And then I literally went through, I churned. So literally I, 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 uh, I exited. And the person that I was exiting with, yeah, that was like, I got the rudest, like not the, I got a very like, Hey, thanks a lot, but see you later. You're not welcome in our community anymore. Right. <laughs> so, so I literally, this is what we did. So if you're, if you're listening to Tim and I today, if you're a coach, consultant, content creator, et cetera, th- consider this. Here's all I did, Tim. I said, as soon as someone um, uh, quits the program for whatever reason, one, just say, ask them one, like the first email was asking them. Right. But I said, before you even ask them, send them a gift. So like we, un- we, we created a new product from the other products that we had that we only unlocked when someone left. So we gave someone like a paid pro, like almost a value product that said, thank you so much for being a part of our community. I know it's, hopefully you'll come back and see us, but as a you know, sign of appreciation for being with us this long, however short it was, here's a gift, hope you enjoy it. Like Tim, we saw people literally write back to support and said, hey, just turn me Don't, back on. Yeah. It was crazy. And so just that, just that one thing of when someone was quitting, we just gave them a gift. And because people are like, hey, if you quit my world, like I don't care about you anymore, as opposed to tell me what, first I'm going to give you a gift and then tell me why you quit. Yeah. And you're, it's, it's free service recovery in those worlds. You know, it's almost like, it's just like an employee exit interview. You know, when people quit your company, do you talk to them? Do you interview them? Uh, you know, because that's when they're leaving. They don't care. They're going to give it to you straight. Yeah. It's the same concept right there. It's that's I mean, that's an amazing idea. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like and a lot of times when people are auditing their process, I think what you said was really cool. Like you sometimes when your process is complex um, and a lot of the businesses that we were, they're very there are a lot of pieces of the puzzle. You may need a secret shopper like there's no other way to know like what email you got, something random, a link broke, someone got irritated, they didn't get their receipt. Like you have no idea. People are super nuanced on how they buy stuff. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, Sharon, that's a great point because that's another reason why I think it's so important to keep things as simple as possible because the more complex you make things, the harder it is to diagnose where the actual problem (laughs) is. I mean, it could take you months or years to figure that out. But if, you know, if it's 15 steps compared to five, well, it's a hell of a lot easier to look at the five steps and go, okay, where are things falling short? 
Yeah. Um, Tim, I, we, we talked about kind of this, this, you know, single target market or identifying the avatar from a messaging perspective, man, I think, you know, the, the one question I hear a lot is, well, my market's different. <laughs> like my, <laughs> my geography is different. You don't understand my clients, you know, they're high end or they only look at print. They don't check their emails. You get all these, I, I'm not calling them excuses, but they're very nuanced, right? Yes. And it's from our model of the world. But you've, you've heard it all. Like yeah. you've literally heard it all. How do you kind of respond to kind of that when, when, when you have to craft messaging? Well, it's, so it, it's, it's going to come back to what, it, what did these people say when you interviewed them, <laughs> right? It's coming back to your, that's why before you create messaging, you have to understand the target market first, right? Because if you really do understand your target market, I mean, you know what, Charon, maybe there are people that just read print. But man, I would seriously question that um, because even my parents that are in their late 70s, early 80s, they got a mobile phone. They're, I mean, they're glued to it. Yeah. We're, things have changed, but you have to make sure you understand that target market first. Then from there, you can start to create your messaging. Um, when we look at messaging, I, we use a storytelling framework to yeah. create that messaging. So we use StoryBrand, if you're yeah, familiar with that. Yeah. Um, when I got exposed to it, it just made sense to me. I was like, man, this is great. This is, it's easy, simple to understand when you communicate it to a client and say, Hey, this is why we use this framework. It makes sense to them because we're all used to, to stories, right? We read yeah. books, we watch films. And when you can take their favorite film and go, yeah, this is, here's how that film followed the framework. Here's what it is. And they're like, Oh God, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then, you say to them, okay, look, here's, here's, here's one of the biggest problems businesses make. Their messaging is about them, not their customers. Yeah. And our customers don't care about us. They only care about themselves and, their and how we can help them get from where they are to where they want to be. Yeah. And when you use a storytelling framework to create your messaging, what you're doing is positioning your customer as the hero in the story and your business is the guide. Right. The guy, if you look at Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda, man, they're they're so much stronger than Luke Skywalker. Luke doesn't even know what the hell to do. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, Yoda, tell me what I need to do. Yoda says, yep, cool. I've been there, done that, Luke. This is exactly what you need to do. That's where you want your business to be. You want your yeah. business to be seen as the guy that has the solution to that problem, who can hold that hero's hand and just walk them right through to get to the other side of the bridge where they want to be. Yeah. The other thing that's really great about using a storytelling framework is when you plug all these elements in that's where you create craft messaging from yeah. it's just like you said before you know you're, you're just putting the pieces of the puzzle together you're not recreating it that's why it's so important because people end up they end up oh they sit down oh i've got to create a new ad and they rewrite it every single time rather than going back to the framework that they have and what ends up happening there is their messaging is not consistent right it may not be as clear as it needs to be but when you have a framework to go back to you're just pulling each one of those pieces in that framework is like a chord for a guitar yeah you can create all kinds of different music but you're only using chords that are from that list yeah, yeah. same thing with the framework for your messaging i can say all kinds of different things but the message I say is only coming from that list. It, it's so good. And um, I, I was on a mastermind call this morning and 
you know, some um, couple of the folks in my mastermind group, they're like, well, how are you creating 42 pieces of unique content a week? And I go, well, let me show you. And I just pull up my board and I just show them. They're like, well, that's a lot of content. I'm like, you're looking at this wrong. You're looking at core pieces as opposed to they all are kind of the same. Like they're all, they only have three big, like you said, cords, right? And so yeah. if, if I have a growth cord in entrepreneurship, I have four different stories that tell a growth story. I have four different stories that tell a plan story. I have four different stories that tell a target market story. It's yeah. the same exact thing. So it's not like, that's why when I always have like, you don't have to figure out what to write, write about any given day. You know what to write about. It's just whatever's on your mind, how do you tie it into what you're going to write about? That's all, yeah. that's all it is. And it makes content creation so much easier and joyful and it performs, which yeah. <laughs> I think that's what that the, the reason why I think we love, fall in love with, even you take a Gary V like, yes prolific content creator there's only like three messages hey you need to have significant awareness you need to create a lot of content i need to be kind to people like if you if you strip everything yeah. away it's that's all it is and he yeah. just yells and screams one of those three things all the time well and you know the other thing too that he does a really good job of is he takes a core piece of content and then breaks it down into all a bunch of micro content that he can use over and over again you know, so look, we, we're doing, we do a weekly Facebook live. Okay. Yeah. I take that Facebook live. I have video, I have audio, I create a podcast. I can create short form videos from that, that I can then, you know, re-promote on social media. There's so many different ways you can repurpose content from a core piece of content into all kinds of other subtopics right below that and get tons of mileage from what you're doing. Yeah. And that's exactly what Gary Vee does. Yeah. Um, this is really good from, from a tactics perspective. I think uh, there are very few people, and, and you do this really well, uh, this, this, this idea of creating like a one pillar piece or one core piece of content and then using that to kind of almost the multiplier effect of everything else. Um, the operations and the logistics of that, like once you have a plan for it, you drew it out, you built a plan, and that's like the good next part we should talk about. But you know that that freaks people out. They're like, how do I... How do I go do this? And then how, how does how does it get chopped up? Who writes the captions? The captions are not in my voice. How do they get posted and all of that? Talk to that person for a second, Tim, that is thinking, okay, I know I can create this one piece of content, but how, even if I have the right people in place, yeah, you know, can it really be, you know, multiplied across the various channels? Yeah, I can. And it's, again, I think, Sharon, it comes back to, your target market, right? So you have this core piece of content. Then when you look at, okay, I wanna create, let's say I have, I have 20 minutes of video and audio content. I want to create four short form videos from this. Well, somebody obviously has to go through that to do right. the work, but as you're going through it, you're like, okay, what clips can I take? What 90 second clips can I take from this that's really gonna resonate with my target market. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. Don't I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's why you need to have that piece of paper that has your ideal client persona on it because it's top of mind for you. So as you're going through this content, you're going, okay, what's gonna be important to my ideal client persona, Joe? Yeah. Out of this larger clip, what four clips can I take that are gonna resonate with Joe? That's what you do. 
Yeah. You know, and then from there, really, it's all about the tools. You know, I mean, there's we use a we use a um, uh, transcription and caption service called Happy Scribe. There's a ton of them out there. Yeah. yeah. Happy Scribe is an AI based one that works pr- really well. It's very reasonable. Makes it super easy to put captions on videos. Um, but there's a ton of tools out there. You just got to find the tool that's easy for you guys to use, your team to use, and you just reuse that over and over again. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's yeah. that's it. You, you nailed um, the first two of the three fundamentals, which was one, this the target market, and the two, which is getting, getting the messaging. So I, I'm actually visualizing this, Tim, where I've got three pieces of paper. I got the one piece of paper for my business, which is here's my persona avatar that I'm going after that I've got the second piece of paper, which is the story brand framework of the, of the framework itself that I have, but there is a third important piece of the paper, uh, which is, which is the plan, right? Almost that's once the first two are done, uh, the plan is what becomes kind of the, on the top of the pile. I'd love for you to maybe kind of just, just touch on that as to how does someone come up with this plan? Yeah. So, what I recommend from a marketing plan standpoint is to keep it simple. I, you go figure, right? That's what we've been talking about this whole time. I like a 90-day marketing plan, okay? There's two, you spend thousands of dollars on a year-long marketing plan or three years, it goes in the desk drawer like a yeah. business plan. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And if you started this year out with your one-year marketing plan, <laughs> that thing yeah. went up in flames mid-March. So, yeah. um, 90-day sprints allow you to focus on what's most important right now, learn from it, what worked, what didn't, make course corrections, and then focus on what you're going to, the next 90 days, and just wash, rinse, and repeat. Um, I also think it allows you to get quick wins and notice because it's so hard for us. If we're working on something, say I'm working on content, okay? 12 to 18 month minimum commitment here to really start seeing results. Man, month two, you're going into this. I mean, it's hard to stay motivated, right? But if you can get quick wins and acknowledge the actions that you're taking and and the, the, the results that you're starting to see, no matter how small they are, that helps keeps us motivated. And so I like six things on a 90 day marketing plan. Okay. One, you gotta, again, your target market, just, who are your ideal clients, okay? Two, what's your goal? What's your specific measurable goal for the next 90 days? And obviously that goal should be some goal that's gonna help you get to your one-year goal or your three-year goal, whatever that may be. But it needs to be measurable. So let's say, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, we wanna sign five new clients in the next 90 days. Right. Specific, it's measurable. I think it's important with a measurable goal like that to realize that it's, I call it an outcome-based goal. Right. There's a lot of things beyond your control in an outcome-based goal. So right. even if you don't hit that, don't get don't get discouraged. Right. Uh, you know, because again, mid-March hit that impacted a lot of us. That was beyond our control. Maybe I did everything that I could, and I still didn't hit my goal. It's okay, but we still need to have an idea of where we're headed. Step three, what's my budget? What do I have to invest in my marketing and what Mm. resources do I have? So when I say resources, that may be my time. It may be the time for my staff, but I need to know how much money I have to invest and how much time I can commit 
before I create a plan because that's going to determine what I choose to focus on. Right. So then step four, what's my current marketing plan? What am I currently doing? Uh, okay. Because we have to understand where we currently are to figure out what we need to do to get to where we want to be. Hmm. It's just like your GPS, right? I want to go to the airport. Okay, great. Where are you starting from? <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. thing here. What I look at are eight primary channels. One is your strategy or the fundamentals. So your target market and your messaging. Okay. Then you've got your website, you have content, SEO, search engine optimization, mm -hmm. social media, um, email marketing, paid advertising. And when I say paid, I'm, I'm talking about online advertising, Google ads, Facebook right. ads, and then offline marketing. Okay. Yeah. Almost every marketing tactic you can think of is going to fall into one of those channels. Right. In this fourth step where you're looking at what you're currently doing, just jot down notes. What have I done or what am I continuing to do in each of these channels? Okay. Now that's going to at least give you, because most people may say to you, you know, well, I don't have a plan. Well, you've been doing something. So put that down in yeah. this step because that is your plan at this point. Yeah. Once I've done that, then I can go to the fifth step, which is what am I going to focus on in the next 90 days? Mm. Now, if I don't know who my target market is, I don't have good messaging, that's what I'm gonna focus on over the, in the next 90 days first. Right. Okay, then I can look at, okay, do I, have, do I have good messaging on my website? Does it speak to my target market? Do I have good, clear calls to action? You know, am I telling people what I want them to do when they come to my website? Mm -hmm. No, okay, well, I need to fix that. We're gonna update that. Now, if it's me and I've got $5,000 a month to invest and I've got, you know, 20 hours of staff time, well, then maybe I can start looking at, well, what are we doing for content? You know, what do we need to do to create great content that's going to start to resonate? You know, and you can start to look at what am I going to focus on in each of these channels. You may focus on one or two channels. You may focus on four or five, depending on the types of resources that you have. But you're going to know exactly what tactics you're going to focus on in the next 90 days in each channel. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing that I'm going to look at is what metrics am I going to track mm. to know whether the actions that I'm taking are ha having an impact. Keep them high level. Yep. One or two main ones per channel that you're focusing on. Um, and that's it. And yeah. then at the end of the 90 days, what did we do? What actions did we take? What, what do the metrics tell us? Did we reach the goal? Did we not? And then you go back, you update the current plan section, you update the metrics, and you update what you're gonna focus on for the next 90 days, and that's yeah. it. I mean, from a, from a clarity perspective, right, I think that it just takes away a lot of stress. Yes. It's, to me, I'm just like, I, do, I, I get stressed coming in and be like, oh, I need more business. I need more sales. Like, what do I do more today? <laughs> and we're in this like, what more can I do, right? Can I just, I, I should do more stories. I should do more. I should, like the should do. Yes. But this way I know that, hey, here's my plan. As long as I'm doing this, I'm good. And if I don't, I'll know very quickly. And I can yes. adjust it in, in 90 days. That's it. You know, and it's so it's six steps depending on how detailed you go it's one to three pages maybe yeah and that's it it eliminates the distraction 
of and all the noise that's out there and it keeps you focused on exactly what you need to do for the next 90 days yeah and then at the end i mean if most businesses used a 90-day plan like this they could look at this at the end of the year and go oh my god look at all the things that we actually accomplished totally yeah yeah. You know, because it's not so many, it's, it can be so overwhelming running a business, let alone marketing a business, right? I mean, there's so many different things that are coming in there. But if you just look at, look, what's the next measurable step I need to take to get to where I want to be? Yeah. Great. Check that one off. What's the next step after that? What's the next step after that? Focus on the small steps because then it's, it's bite-sized. It's so much easier to to comprehend and it doesn't become so overwhelming man i i i think that's i think that just that alone you know if we can just get in that even if even if just folks just did that i actually believed him that if we can just get the entrepreneur less stressed yes just literally just if i can just get you less stress so you can be more present at home you cannot yell at your employees you cannot be short on your emails to your clients just if you're just less stressed yeah and and when you can take away like Revenue generation, performance-based stuff, marketing. If you just give a plan for all of those, yeah. it, gets, uh, it gets very good. Um, th- there's two things that I want to kind of call out to, and I'd love your kind of comments on this. If folks didn't notice, you are, uh, when you said th- the simplicity of what you are, are, are sharing is in the fundamentals and the frameworks. And those yeah. two are those two words came up multiple times. Yes. And I, I want to, like those should set people free. They should, people should feel super confident that, you know, Tim's not telling me kind of what to do. Tim's just telling me how I should think about what to do, right? And I think anytime we hear, hey, the three fundamentals, you should just go through, hey, do I have the right target market in mind? Okay, cool. Do I have, like, just know, do I have the right messaging in mind? Do I have the right plan in mind? Okay, I I could do one or two better. And then Tim just gave you a framework to how you would fill in. If you don't want to fill in number three, don't. That's okay, yeah. but it, you're still better off with no plan whatsoever. But, but Tim, just from philosophically, yeah, um, it may be the engineer and you and I that that you know that that likes it in a box so that we can be like, I'm less stressed about this, and I'm yes. like, by the way, like I I'm the first to admit, um, what is it? If you had to give somebody kind of the gift of embracing, you know, a couple of fundamentals and a couple of frameworks, what would you tell them? Hey, when you're given when you're throwing a couple of good fundamentals and frameworks, how should they think about it? How should they like? embrace that yeah i think you know sharon i think that the successful frameworks for for almost anything in business they're there yeah they're out there it's just a matter of us finding the frameworks one the frameworks that resonate with us right because if the framework doesn't resonate with you you're not going to use it right 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 so it's really important to find those frameworks that resonate with you um, because then you will use them. And when you use them, you will start to see more success by doing it. Yeah. But frameworks give us something to follow. It's step by step, which makes it so much simpler to know what to do and when you need to do it. And that's what's so, so important, you know, because it's not that the, you know, the marketing tactics out there aren't the right tactics. It's that people are implementing them at the wrong time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, man, I could I I could talk to you about this stuff forever. And, <laughs> and this is so yeah, this is so good. And you you made like just the you know just with the fundamentals and breaking each of the fundamentals down into the, the steps. You made it so easy. 
I also know that you, you so graciously put together a couple of resources for the group as well. Uh, yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll link those up in the show notes uh, as well. Uh, but, but Tim, where can folks find you? Where can they get to know more about you and what you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. They can shoot on over to our website at rialtomarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. Um, all our social links are there. You know, if somebody's interested, they want to grow their business, they're not sure what to do, they're hitting marketing roadblocks, they can get a free consultation there as well. And, uh, you know, we'll help give them some, some clarity on where to focus right now based on where they're at. I mean, I can't, I uh, can't thank you enough for this. You dropped some, dropped some uh, awesome nuggets today cool. and I'll look thank up you. the rest in the show notes and, uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll bring you on for part two and we'll, we'll blow it up some more. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate it. Awesome.